0: to Unleashing Sister Saints, a podcast focused on strengthening women's faith in Jesus Christ and helping them wrestle through the sometimes complex gender and cultural dynamics in the church. I'm Dr. Susan Manson, a global expert in women and leadership, a mama for and a devoted member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I love the word Unleash and I use it often. In each episode, I include research and personal experiences and a challenge, to help you feel free to bring your whole self to the Lord's work. In this week's episode, I am so excited to welcome my dear friend, Nubia Pena, to the show. Nubia has extensive experience acquired during the past 20 years working as a community organizer and policy advocate for underrepresented populations. She has actively sought to bring awareness to issues of community harm, through her professional endeavors and personal faith-based initiatives. She earned a law degree from the University of Utah and is a fierce advocate for marginalized individuals and populations with an impressive list of accomplishments and awards. Nubia and I talk weekly about strategies for advancing the well-being of women and girls in the state of Utah, and we have an uplifting conversation with the spirit present each time. I'm so grateful for her friendship. Nubia's faith and trust in God and His grace is a powerful example to me. Nubia is non-denominational Christian, and I'm excited for her insights and experiences that can uplift and unleash Latter-day Saint women. Thank you so much for joining today, Nubia.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that I get to connect with you on a Sunday, which is out of our norm.
0: It, It is, but we also, even though we Have spiritual elements to our conversations all the time. It is going to be so fun to have a few minutes to talk to you today, specifically about spirituality and our relationship to God. Nubia, first, let me start by asking you to tell us a bit more about yourself and what led you to the work you do to support marginalized populations and elevate their needs to stakeholders.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Susan. So I have the incredible privilege and gift of being an advocate for communities, as you mentioned, that are underserved for the last 20 years of my life. And I've worked with domestic violence, sexual assault survivors, human trafficking victims, individuals who are impoverished, incarcerated, really existing at the farthest margins of our communities that we oftentimes don't see, right? That they're invisible, especially as we think through the power dynamics of society. And for me, everything I would say is attributed to my origin story with my mother uh, showing me and being the prime example of compassion. She taught me very early on that we, in fact, are the ones that should stand in the gap whenever we see a need. And she was a medical assistant. But before that, she worked with people with disabilities. And these are individuals that were verbally uncommunicative. They sometimes were bound to wheelchairs. I mean, just had a lot of challenges in their life. And the only thing I ever saw from my mother that was consistent was the amount of respect, dignity and compassion Mm -hmm. that she exchanged with these individuals. She never treated them like they were a source of a paycheck. They were people that were in her care. She provided for them comfort, support. She prayed for them. She loved them. And that just forever left an imprint in my soul where I just thought, regardless of where we are and where we're planted, we are God's hands and feet. We are his light and we are tasked to bring that light to everyone that we exchange with. So I thank my mother for that. And that has deeply influenced everything that I do today
0: did not know that about your background, so I love that so much. And I've had the opportunity to meet your mother, so I love that. So talk with us about how faith in Jesus Christ shaped and influenced you growing up, and as you have pursued this work serving at-risk, underprivileged, and marginalized populations.
1: I would say that my faith walk with God and Jesus has deeply dictated the direction of my professional development. And it started as early as the womb. And what I mean by that is <laughs> I'm essentially a miracle baby. My mother already had her tubes tied. Then she got pregnant with my twin and I. So I know without a doubt that God was like, Nubia will be born. And, right? <laughs> she has a calling on her life. There is something about her that she is about to birth in this world. So from there, It was just one thing after another where I always saw Jesus really standing in for me, supporting me, protecting me. I was four years old at the time when I was essentially diagnosed with kidney problems. I needed a transplant. And they said, you know, that they were going to add me to the list, but it didn't look great. And my mother being a woman of deep faith that truly believed in miracles still being available to us because... It is clearly stated in the Bible, right? You ask and God will answer. And she took me to get a a health blessing at the time we were LDS. And so I have that understanding and knowledge and, and it was really special. And so the next time we went to the doctors, we were supposed to get my tests so that we could schedule the surgery. And they said I was fine. Wow. So again, right, being a miracle baby, having this incredible gift of healing, And then also watching my mother, she's a breast cancer survivor and Father God was able to help her navigate that. She was a single mother of four and she could not pass away. She had young babies that still needed her to fight for them and to support them and to help rear them. So I think every single one of those moments, I know that I cannot do away with or throw away. I cannot let my life be in vain because God has given me so much. I've been deeply blessed. So everything I now do is really to build his kingdom, to make sure that people know him through me, that whenever I engage with people, I leave them better than I found them. And that I remind them every day they are a child of God. They are deeply loved. They have incredible purpose. And every single one of us is supposed to leave this world better than we found it because we have a calling on our life. We are not an accident. We all have a calling on our life. I love that
0: so much. And one of the reasons I asked you to be on this podcast, specifically geared towards Latter-day Saint women, is because sometimes in our religion or in our culture, We think that it's only with other people in our own religion that we have spiritual conversations or we can feel the spirit in our Latter-day Saint religion. We call it the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you, you and I, when we talk, I feel God. I do. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So what do you wish Latter-day Saints in Utah? How many years have you lived here?
1: 22 years.
0: Oh, so a long time. Yeah. Yeah, you go so, home. <laughs> yes, yes. So what do you wish Latter-day Saints in Utah and across the country and beyond understood about the populations you serve and represent?
1: For many people, I think there's misconceptions. And so what I would ask is for folks to get on the front lines, to volunteer, to provide service, to build community, to be proximate with the individuals that for many of them are oftentimes erased, right? As we mentioned, right, oftentimes invisible. And once we start to learn their stories, we understand the complexities of what potentially led to that experience or to them being homeless or to them being incarcerated. And our hearts are softened. And then when we really think about our understanding of the Bible and of God and of Jesus and what we've been called to do, It's to be the person who is proximate to those who are most unfortunate and disenfranchised, the orphan, the widow, the people who are cast out. And I pray that as we're having this discussion and we're unearthing these opportunities for people across faiths, whether you're Latter-day Saints or you're non-denominational Christian, Jewish or Muslim, especially in a time right now in this world, we need that light And we need that deep compassion and we need each other more than anything. And so if we find one thread that connects us, if we find one thing that can anchor us to seeing the humanity in one another. And Susan, I think for me, that's what I've been so grateful about our friendship, our sisterhood. Our mother-daughter relationship, yeah. right? <laughs> you are mama to see, <laughs> Is that our face, while we may practice and worship differently, we know that we have been born to be light, to be good, to give good, and to really call others to see themselves through the light of God and to know their worth. And I am so grateful, Susan, that you do this podcast and you inspire other women to know that they have a crown. And they were born to be Heavenly Father's daughters that walk this earth and really can bless so many.
0: Oh Wow. Thank you so much for that. And one thing I wanted to just take a minute. So when you talk about homeless, you and I have worked in that space with poverty. So when we talk about underprivileged, you mentioned those with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Who else would you? put in that? I'm trying to think back to my Bible, you know, reading my Bible stories and all of the other people, people with sickness and health issues. Who else would you put into that list of trying to lean in to serve, but also get to know, get proximate, as you said, with their
1: experiences? My absolute favorite story in the Bible is the woman at the well. Mm, I love Uh, it. When we think about the compassion that God has, for a woman that people look down on. And we know that women, we all have many walks of life and we all have very different stories. And some of us feel deeply judged and shamed. And so we feel sometimes like we can't walk into a church because of the sins that we've committed or the transgressions that we've that we've made. And I think if we could engage every woman that we meet, every person that we meet, with God's heart to say to them, you are not someone that is so broken that you are unworthy. You are redeemable. You are worthy of my love and being saved. And I just think, what would the world be like, Susan, if we each went through our life engaging people with that level of mercy, with that level of grace, with that level of that intentional invitation And I think that as Latter-day Saints women, as Christian women, as women and people of all faith, we can have those exchanges with every person that right now is struggling. So whether it's because they're afraid to step into church because they don't feel like they belong, whether it's because they don't have a home and so they're worried about what they look like or they have addictions, they have mental health concerns, Whatever their narrative is, this again is where I believe it is all of our callings to stand in those gaps and to extend our hand with deep love and say, Come with me. Know what it is to be loved, know what it is to be championed unconditionally, and know what it is to be welcomed and to be in a space without judgment, but wanting you to see yourselves through God's eyes, which will always call people to be their best selves.
0: I love that. In today's world, Even in driving, you know, people are getting irritated at each other and all of the things that if we just go with what we're seeing around us, we don't have compassion. We just judge. And so you're saying we have to step back. We have to pause instead of reacting and then switch our mindset to compassion, empathy, and
1: love right? Absolutely. And, you know, when we label ourselves women of faith, people of faith, Christian individuals, or whatever it is, whatever title we might take that connects us to something higher and more powerful than us, something larger than us, then we have that responsibility to model that. And listen, we're human, we're flawed, we will fail, we will stumble. But if we can be more mindful and intentional and begin our day saying, Father God, Allow me to be your hands and feet today. Let me be the vessel that you have called me to be so that whenever I meet someone, I can change their life for the good. Let them see you through me. And so if we can set our day with that intention, I don't think that it matters whether you are a person working at the grocery store checkout line, Mm -hmm. if you are a doctor, if you are the person leading the state, the nation, or a mother at home. You change lives because of that intentionality.
0: I love that. That's what it takes, I think, is being more intentional. So I love that. And I see, I've gotten to know you quite well in the last few years. I see you saying that prayer each morning. So how can we as individuals and a collective faith better join in the work that you
1: are passionate about? You know, Dr. Martin Luther King said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. And just as we've been talking for these last few minutes about what do we need, we need people to show up. And I would say, right, that if we want a world where we see healing that is abundant, and if we have a community in need, but we have people with a desire to step in and serve, then we actually can find ways to close those gaps. The disparities of homelessness, of abuse, of individuals dealing with depression. Science shows us that serving others actually helps us. It helps our mental health. It helps us understand the needs of our community. And we begin to heal ourselves because I think in many ways it starts to put things into perspective for us, recognizing that. There are things that we could do for others where all of a sudden we start to heal our own hearts, our own minds. And so, again, what better way than to help me in the work that I'm doing and you, Susan, in the work that you're doing around creating well-being for girls and women in Utah and really across the world than to be of service. And there are so many needs that are unfilled That my request to each person listening is ask yourself, what is your righteous indignation, your holy fire, the thing that just lights you every time you think about it, because that's God knocking on your heart, telling you stand up, step up and do the work because there's something in you that you can birth solutions for.
0: I love that because I think all of us are not made to do exactly the same thing. And I talk about the head, heart and hands so much. Whatever connects between the three, how our mind works, how our heart feels and what our hands like to do is that unique place for you and a different unique place for me. I love what you said. Thank you so much. Now, as someone who lives and works in Utah, you rub shoulders with Latter-day Saints every day. So I'd love for you to speak to our listeners about how we can better connect with and work together with those of different faiths
1: focusing on what we have in common. Susan, you and I, right? Our relationship is a beautiful testament of what happens when people of different faiths are willing to connect, to strategize, to use their skills for the sake of championing solutions and That really is the opportunity for us to do the work together. And I remember reading one of your books, and I'm going to actually quote it here, but you used a quote from Sharon Eubank, the director of Latter-day Saints Charities, which she offered to Sisters Everywhere this recommendation, be a part of a collective force that changes the world for good. And Elaine S. Dalton said in her book, No Ordinary Women, never before has there been a time of such limitless opportunity to connect with others in the world, to serve to testify and to make a difference. We have been prepared and positioned on this earth to do just that. And the work can be better and stronger and more impactful, more far reaching if we are willing to move outside of our silos, our circles, because all of a sudden we start to influence other communities that we would have never engaged with because we do like to stay in our comfort zones. We like to be around people who think like us, who believe in the same things we do, But Father God has called us to grow. Father God has called us to be challenged. And Father God has called us to be an example. And what better way to be an example than to be with people who think differently from us. So again, I'm grateful, Susan, that you and I have built this relationship because we do model that there is beautiful fruit that comes from engaging with folks who might not be of the same faith, but who also believe that they are called to do God's work.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I do feel the same. I mean, I feel like as we work together, and I'm blessed, and you are too, I think, to be able to work with people of various faiths. And Mm -hmm. I work with some people that don't believe in God, right? but their heart is still good, and they feel called, even though they're not religious or spiritual, to do some work that is unique to them. And I'll tell you, in your comment just a minute ago, there are so many opportunities to serve. In huge ways that take a lot of time, but also in these moments. And I was thinking when I was getting on an airplane a week or so ago, I was thinking when I walk down the aisle, I'm going to smile at every person that looks at me. I got myself out of my head and I just looked and made eye contact all the way down and smiled. And someone had done that to me like a couple of weeks before, and I just noticed that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that made me feel good just mm-hmm. to have somebody smile at me. Don't you think that is a service in some way?
1: Absolutely. Like I said, everything right now feels so heavy. You look at the feed; everything is bombarding us with the negativity and just the harsh reality of living in the world where sin abounds. And so when we are, again, setting that intention that we are going to treat people with the kindness and respect that many of them oftentimes go throughout their day, never experiencing Susan, how sad is that? That people go through their day feeling invisible, feeling unloved. Why do we think that depression and suicide, the high rates that we experience in our state, what if we could challenge that? What if we could disrupt that? And what if we were the lifeline beginning with a simple smile? So I love that you did that, Susan.
0: Well, I don't do it all the time, but it's back to what you said earlier as being intentional. Because when we challenge ourselves to stop for a moment and even in moments be intentionally kind and just take those moments, I'm challenging myself as we're talking. Like, how can I remember to do that more often, right? So here's my last question for you. Has your faith evolved as you have matured and experienced challenges or disappointments? And then secondly, how do you maintain and grow your faith in God's grace and power?
1: Absolutely. And I would say that I am grateful. So I just celebrated my 40th birthday on October 11th, and that's a pretty significant milestone. And I would say that I'm grateful that I am not the same person today that I am 20 years ago. And the same thing about my faith, that it has evolved, it has grown, it has been strengthened by every storm that I've survived. It has been anchored in every moment of disappointment and loss I've experienced. God is my everything. I lean into him. He is my provider. He is my protector. And I was thinking, like, do I share this? Do I not? There was a critical point in my faith journey. That there were two of them specifically, though. One of them was my mother's cancer battle. And then the second one was my survivorship, domestic violence. And I remember going through that. And at the time, I was a victim advocate for survivors of abuse. And here I was going through my own journey. And I remember I could not leave him. I tried and I tried and I could not leave him. And I prayed maybe three, four nights that I just could not rest and i was tired and i was exhausted and i felt so lost and i prayed so fiercely and i said god you are stronger than me and i know you love me and i don't think i love myself right now in order to leave, please take him from me because i don't have the strength to do so susan that night i slept like a baby and the next day i never heard from that man again oh my oh wow so that's actually the first time i have publicly shared that story Is yeah, mama. Thank you. It is without a doubt. It was a turning point for me because I thought, Father God, you know every hair on my head, you know every tear, and you collect them. And you know me by name, you know my soul. I am not just another person, I am your baby girl. And you guarded me and you protected me because you knew that I needed you in a moment that I didn't love myself enough to walk away. So Yes, my thank
0: you for sharing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, mama, thank you. You know, and I think honestly, as I was wrestling with, do I share this, do I not? I pray that whatever woman is listening to this that needs to be reminded that they are worthy of a life free of violence and that God loves them enough to help them, that we are their lifeline, that we are that reminder that we are planting that seed in this moment for them to be courageous enough to reach out to God and say, help me. And that help can come in different ways through advocates, through resources, through shelters. It can come in different ways. And so I trust Father God and what he just did in my heart in planning in me the release of that story. And I'm always mindful and cautious because I don't want people to think the only reason I'm passionate about the work is because of my own experience. Everyone should be passionate about the fact that we have women and men, children, people in Utah who are trapped in homes where abuse occurs. We should all be enraged that safety is not available to people who have the possibility of being the next leader and champion of a solution we are all in need of, but because their light is dimmed, they're not able to. So Glad you shared that because you
0: and I have been working for almost three years now on many topics, but one is domestic violence and sexual assault. And I think we've been leaning in pretty significantly and talking about that almost every day. I do. I'm sure you do too, to try and help us shift things in Utah, so many other good people. But I'll tell you, there's been a lot of silence in Utah for years about that. And we're talking about Utah right now. Many of the listeners are not in Utah and may be in different countries of the world, but it is a problem in right. the world, not just in Utah.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and I think that's why this is also such a tangible, relevant discussion for all of us, is that whether it's domestic violence, whether it's human trafficking, whether it's homelessness or hunger or working with people with disabilities, I mean, every single person, every soul that God has created deserves a chance to be seen and loved. And that is where our work again begins. And so for whatever reason, I was prompted to share that story, to share tears with you, mama, yeah. right? Yes. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> yes, of course. And my hope is, is that we reach hearts and that we inspire people and that yeah. our invitation to them is be bold, be courageous, stand on the front lines and every single day, take the opportunity to be God's light.
0: Thank you so much. And I would ask, how do you maintain and grow your faith in God's grace and power? So just any final comments about, you know, when things get hard, sometimes seem like from time to time and maybe more than from time to time, maybe he isn't listening or he's just putting us on hold and asking us to be patient. So how do we continue to just stay strong and have faith and be
1: believing? We need to remember that God is not a genie. Right? Like we can't go to him expecting that our wishes are granted. Let us learn about his character and his omnipotence and who he is, his goodwill. I specifically start my day with a sermon and my Bible. My feet do not touch the ground. I do not jump out of bed without first making sure that I'm connecting with God. And what I've learned through that experience, that intentional engagement with God, is that whether it's good or bad, whether the news is hopeful or disappointing, my faith remains anchor. It is not that somehow I'm not loved. It is that life is hard. And the one promise that we have been given is not that we would go through this life without troubles, but it's that he would get us to the other side safely. And I know that that doesn't always provide comfort for people. I know that we have to struggle with that. I've had to struggle with that, but I think that that's also where I've grown and I've matured and I've understood. And I try to find God everywhere in the fact that I woke up and I can breathe again, that I can call my mother to tell her I love her, that I can show up to work and bless people's lives. The fact that I get to have this conversation with you unapologetically about my faith, what I love is that you have given me today an opportunity to share my soul with you. Which is, again, God-filled, God-honoring, and completely committed to being a servant to Him and His kingdom. So we lean in and we remain anchored. That's my recommendation and my suggestion.
0: Thank you. I so much appreciate your time and and for sharing your work, your faith, your story. I'm just so grateful for our friendship as well. Now, I do give my listeners a challenge every episode. So you have given a number of challenges, but if you had to think of just one quick takeaway challenge, what would you say to my listeners today?
1: Find three people that do not practice your faith that you can engage in a service experience with, right? Because in that moment of proximity, you'll start to build bonds, recognize that you are more alike than not. And to your point, people who might not believe in God. could be a beautiful opportunity to plant some seeds in their soul and in their heart because they say, what is it about that person that is so bright and is so caring and is so compassionate? What is it? And my response is always, it's Jesus, right? It's always, always my faith. So my first recommendation is find three people. Second one is I loved what you did, right? Going down the aisle and smiling at people, model kindness, be intentional and set a goal every day. What kindness can I give to the people I engage with? And let me tell you, that will do worlds for your mood, especially will. Right? <laughs> yeah. when you start smiling at people all of a sudden You're like, I cannot remember what I was mad at. <laughs> now, again, right? We have to keep practicing, but I think it's a beautiful way to really say what kindness can I give to people that I engage with today? So those would be the top two that I would recommend. Thank you so much.
0: To my listeners, please follow Unleashing Sister Saints on Facebook and Instagram for more information and to stay up to date. If you like a particular episode or the show in general, please share it with others and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unleashing Sister Saints. This is Dr. Susan Matson, and I'm devoted to unleashing the positive impact of Sister Saints on the world.